Hi everyone, Dr. Liz here. Today's replay is with Jaya. I originally interviewed her in February of 2019, episode 109, right before Valentine's Day. And since then, she's become even more famous. So she was very well known at the time, but you may have seen her on Gwyneth Paltrow's show, Sex, Love, and Goop. She's one of the gurus or specialists that they use on that show. So she's become even more famous since then. And you guys, she is the real deal. Jaya is so genuine and real. And I loved our interview. Now, if you have little ears in the car, you may want to turn this off and listen to it at a different time because we are talking about sex. And at some point in the interview, it gets a little bit graphic. So just so you know that. All right, everyone. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoy it this time as much as you did when it originally aired. Peace. Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. to hypnotize me. This is Dr. Liz. Thank you all so much for being here. I have an exciting interview for you coming up with Jaya. She is an award-winning sexologist and a best-selling author. She's a creator of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough and the Erotic Blueprint Quiz. Over 100,000 people have taken this quiz, which I find absolutely fascinating. That is some really good data about erotic blueprints and sexuality and how people like to express their sexuality. So she's, like I said, a best-selling author, author of four books, including Red Hot Touch and Cuff Tied and Satisfied. So this is a little departure from our regular uh, hypnosis talk, but it is about transformation. So sex is an area for people that is so intimate and it can be so transformative in their life or very destructive as well. So this interview is all about her system and how to grow your own sexuality, your own ability to be turned on really, right? Or, or turn on your partner or, or have your partner be turned on. It's really a, a wonderful interview. We actually did this twice. And the first time it did not record and I was heartbroken. I was like, oh my God. So she granted me another interview, but I'm going to share a tip from the first interview where we didn't end up talking about the same thing in the second one, of course. So this is from the first interview. We had talked a lot about women and body image and how so many women struggle with their body images. Like they don't even want to be seen naked by someone they've been married to for 10 years and how our bodies change throughout our life, right? So they're not fixed. We sometimes get this idea that, oh, we're done growing 
And now that's your body for life. And it is just so untrue for men and women, but in particular for women, because our bodies change significantly throughout our lives. If you have children, if you nurse the children, if you don't nurse them, if you deal with an illness, if you have an injury, like all kinds of different ways that your body changes. So she gave three ways to improve your own body image. One is journaling. And the type of journaling is where you talk to your own self. So I actually use this type of journaling in different ways in my practice. I have never used it for body image, but it was a fantastic idea. So you talk to that part of yourself that doesn't want to be seen. And you actually write this out. It's like a dialogue. Like, what do you need? What are you scared of? And that part might say, well, I'm really scared that my partner won't find me attractive or they'll reject me or this reminds me of that or this reminds me of this. And then as the grown up coming back in the dialogue, journaling, saying words of comfort or reassurance. Now, this is really hard for some people. They don't have any kind of comforting voice in their head. Perhaps they had harsh, critical parents or they grew up without parents. I don't know. So I have sent people to the park before. Okay, to the park, sit on a bench, listen to how the parents talk to their children. And you'll start to see some vast differences. But in general, you want to pick the one that that sounds really kind and comforting when her child runs over, has a boo-boo or something. She sends them back out to play, but first she gives them a hug and says, oh yeah, look at that boo-boo. It's okay. You'll be okay. Looks like it's time to go back and play. Or attends to it or puts a Band-Aid on or sits with the child and gives them a hug until they're ready to go back to play. You know, comforting kind of behaviors. So that's one way. The second way is photography. She said that she actually does an annual photo shoot to be able to see herself like someone else would see her and that this can be really healing. Obviously, you want to find a photographer that specializes in this. And then the third tip that she gave was nudist facilities, okay, like nudist beaches or hanging around a nude camp. And I had shared that I'd gone to the Naked Lady Spa up in Seattle. It's not the official name of it. I think it's called Olympia Spa, but it is all women. And there is an area with hot tubs and where you can get scrubbed down and all this stuff and saunas. And everyone has to be naked in that area. And my friend said to me before we went in, Elizabeth, you're not going to be the ist of anything. You're not going to be the shortest, the fattest, the thinnest, the tallest. There's no ist here. And I went in and every single body was different. Every single one. We don't often get to see that in the U.S. cultures. I know that's much more common in other cultures around the world, and it is very healing. I really came home and told my teenage girls, like, I think this should be required for every teenager. And of course, they totally cringed and was like, no way, (laughs) you know. But it was just this felt experience in the body that every single body is different. There really is no quote unquote ideal. There really is no quote unquote standard, which sometimes we're led to believe by marketing and media and um, everything that's put out there about bodies. So I agree with her. That's very healing, no matter how you go about that, whether that's a spa or a beach or a camp. All right. In a safe environment. I want to put that in there. Okay. Make sure you're, you're safe and you feel safe. 
And hey, right here before the end, before we jump in, we get pretty explicit in this interview. So it is marked explicit, but sometimes people miss that. So if you're a parent driving along in the car, um, please be aware of that. It's probably not appropriate to listen to with children around or your mother-in-law. All right. (laughs) Enjoy. Hi, Jaya. Welcome back. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to the Hypnotize Me podcast. So excited to be here. Super pleasure. Thank you. So mm-hmm. let's jump into your erotic blueprint. I know this is something that you developed yourself, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll I'll start with just some of the reasons why it why it got developed. Mm -hmm. And I'm a somatic sexologist, which means I work with a lot of people's bodies to see, you know, different things that they're working on. It could be a dysfunction, could be, you know, I just don't know how to turn my partner on. So there's a lot of different aspects to the work. And I started noticing over the years that people had these certain patterns of the way that they were turned on. This really started with this one couple and she's like, I've tried all the techniques out of Cosmo magazine. Like I've been doing this everything." And like her partner just wasn't turned on. And I just started hovering my hands like above his body because I had, you know, clues to uh-huh. these different patterns of arousal. So I would kind of test it out. All of a sudden, his body just started like jerking and like kind of writhing on the table. Wow. And he got an erection in his eyes, like, oh, his eyeballs looked at me <laughs> really big. And she looked at me really big. And they were just like, what is happening? Uh huh. And that was my first clue to, okay, not all people are turned on the same. Like we all have different ways that we're erotically wired or different ways that arousal works. And this was happening in my own relationship. So my partner and I, we just had a baby mm-hmm. and, you know, I thought, well, it's the, it's the having the baby thing and, you know, my body healed and that was okay. But then you know, he didn't, he wasn't interested. And so I would come to bed and I would initiate sex in my erotic blueprint, uh-huh. which was usually just saying, let's have sex or touching his genitals. And he would kind of roll over, oh, I'm tired, or oh, I have a headache, or oh, you know, like he was doing that kind of stuff. And and I would roll over and I just felt unloved, unwanted. Uh-huh. I, you know, I didn't know if he didn't like my body anymore after sex. Like what was going, he kept saying, I love you and I'm attracted to you, but like it wasn't like it was disconnecting. And then he would come to bed and he would snuggle with me. And that didn't register to me as initiating sex or something that would turn me on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't turned on by that. And so I would just be like, okay, I guess we're going to sleep again tonight. And my body would kind of stiffen and he'd take that as, okay, well, she's not interested and roll over and go to bed. And I would cry myself to sleep at night. Here I was, I was a, I'm a sex yeah. expert. Wow. You know, I know all these techniques and I know all this stuff to turn people on and I'm trying striptease class. I'm trying all this stuff. And I, it was just total disconnect, cry myself to sleep. And this went on for almost three years. Wow. That's a long time. That's a long time. Like what yeah. is, I see couples in my practice and, and obviously individuals too, that talk about the relationship all the time. And I am pretty amazed at how long people will go without, mm-hmm. um, I guess in that state of frustration, right? Mm -hmm. Where either they're not having sex at all, that's very common, or they're just frustrated about the frequency and how their partners turn on or how they're not or how they are or how they're not. 
So Mm -hmm. when is typical? Like how long does that go before people generally reach out for help? Yeah. I mean, I see people, I'm like people's last resort, you know, because sex is this taboo in our culture. A lot of times it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, we don't need to talk about it. Or one partner really wants to get help, but the other is like, well, we don't have any problem. Um, so yeah, people will go a long time. I've seen people eight years haven't had sex, 11 years haven't had, you know, they've been in sexist relationships. So usually it's, it's people have to get into a lot of pain before they'll reach out to someone like me and a sexuality coach. And I, I have to say to everybody, don't suffer anymore. (laughs) Yeah. The help. It's okay. It's, you know, you, we have coaches for health. We have coaches for our businesses. We have people who help us in our lives and sex. A lot of people say, well, I didn't even know I could go to a sex coach or I could go see a sexologist or someone who would know how to help with something like this. And I I can say, we're here. There's a lot of us and we're here and we can help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how does a traditional sexologist differ from what you're offering? Like you're saying a somatic sexologist. Mm -hmm. What's the difference there? So the difference is that let's say a lot of people reach out to like a sex therapist and they can confuse sometimes a sexologist or a somatic sexologist with a a sex therapist. The difference is the sex therapist is going to talk to you. They may give you some exercises to try at home, you know, pour her a hot bath, light some candles, do some romance, Okay, you know, that that kind of advice. Mm -hmm. Um, Where a somatic sexologist is looking more from a body-based standpoint. So we're looking more somatic, soma means the body. Mm -hmm. We're looking more at how is the body responding? How does that fit into the whole picture? It's more of a holistic model, especially the work that I specifically do, which is around looking at what's happening biochemically, what's happening with hormones. You know, after you have a baby, oh my goodness, hormones are totally different. Or if you're going through menopause, what's happening in the biochemistry? What's happening in the physical body? Do you have scar tissue from say childbirth? A lot of women don't even know how scar tissue affects the body. I ended up spending two years in research with scar tissue postpartum and how that can affect libido, how that can affect turn on, how that can affect pleasure, how that affects your orgasm. And so looking at the physical body, looking at, at scars, surgeries, falls, flexibility, things within the it's muscle strength, you know, how is the muscle strength of your pelvic floor? Mm-hmm. And we're looking at that picture. And then we're looking at the picture of the emotional aspect. So how are things with you and your partner? If you're single, you know, what's, what has been trauma of the past? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand how that can, the, the past can really form your sexual identity, but it's an identity that's false oftentimes because it's, from programming from the culture or its conditions or beliefs that aren't your own conditions and beliefs that were put into your eroticism as you were growing up. And so it's really about finding what is your essence? What is your sexual essence? Who are you really as an erotic being without the emotional belief systems that were, were negatively programmed in? Mm-hmm. The final piece is the energetics. And so I'm also looking at the energy body to see, okay, well, what's happening energetically in the body, what's happening outside of the body, especially for those of you who are a certain type of blueprint, which we'll get to, I think we'll get to what the five blueprints are. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So when you're saying the erotic blueprint, so for the listeners, Daria has a quiz, you can go take it. It's, um, can you give them the link? It's, yeah, sure. It's erotic breakthrough 
Com. And I think we have a special link just for you. So let me just yes, make so sure. It's slash Dr. Liz, D-R-L-I-Z. I know that. Dr. Part. Liz. <laughs> That's yeah. it. com forward slash Dr. Liz. Oh, so they yes, can erotic We're going to get it right. Yeah, erotic we're going to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be in the show notes too. But right. when they go and take that quiz and they're getting a blueprint and, and you're going to talk, you're going to just give a brief of the, the five different types, but are they taking it and they're saying, okay, this is a starting point. Like this was what was, let's say the cultural programming that I have and mm-hmm. It, what are they getting when they when they get the quiz? Yeah, so when you take the quiz, the quiz is really from your own mental standpoint of where you are right now. Think of it as a snapshot of where you are right now in your blueprint. And it will give you what your percentages are. So for example, my percentages, I'm. we'll go through each one of these, but I'm 42% sexual, whereas my partner is like 30-some percent kinky. Uh-huh. This is when we were having all these struggles. I was zero kinky and he was zero sexual. Oh, so yeah. you can so it's a see our challenge. Yeah. <laughs> well, not a mismatch because I know last week you said um, that sexual incompat- incompatibility is a myth, which I find mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. I do want you to talk about that again. But you're saying that's, yeah. that's an area of challenge then rather than like, yeah, oh, my God, we're good. incompatible. Yeah. Some people could look at Ian and I's quiz. My partner's name is Ian. And they would see, oh, oh my gosh, like she's zero kinky and he's high kinky and she's high sexual and he's zero Uh sexual. That means they're incompatible. No, that's not what that means. So if you're looking at, if you're taking this with your partner, incompatibility to me is a myth because what it all it means is here's who I am as erotic being. Here's the language I speak. So if kinky is Persian and sexual is American English, Mm -hmm. I speak American English. My partner speaks Persian. The biggest thing I hear from couples is we love each other. We just can't figure out the passion in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not incompatibility. It's that you just speak different languages. So if you love someone, wouldn't you learn? You know, if you love someone who speaks Spanish, wouldn't you go, okay, well, I love this person. I'm going to learn how to speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And they're going to learn how to speak English. So same thing with my partner, Ian and I. All I had to do was learn how to speak his language. And then he learned how to speak my language. And now... As long as there's willingness, as long as there's willingness to learn, it's not an incompatibility. It's just our blueprint shows us where we are not total as sexual beings, where we're not in our full sexual essence, which is interesting. You know, like here's our blueprint. It also shows us we're not wrong. Mm-hmm. We're not broken. We're absolutely normal. Like there's like, if, because I don't have all of them doesn't mean I'm broken. It just means I haven't developed in those other areas. Mm. What I see is that people attract their opposite mm-hmm. because they're trying to essentially learn the other languages to have a more full spectrum sexuality. Got it. Okay. And I think that's a really important point that there's nothing wrong with you, that you're normal. It's just that we mm-hmm. all have these different blueprints and we all have these areas that are stronger than others. And then we have a choice whether to develop those areas and develop our, and learn our, our partner's blueprint as well. Like what is their area? Because so many times I hear people say, and particularly women, like there's something wrong with me. I just have a very low sex drive. You know, like I just don't like sex. Like who cares? Like what's the big deal? You know, you hear all these phrases go on. Right. And they really yeah. feel like they're not normal. And it's like, ah, let's, you're saying, let's look at that deeper. Yeah. Can I speak to that just for a moment? Yes. 
Yeah. So, so if you're hearing those thoughts in your head and those are the words that are coming out of your mouth, I, I want you to know, yes, you are not broken there. Every, there's nothing wrong with you. And you probably have never been fed in your blueprints because what I see is a lot of times their partners approaching them from their blueprint, right? My, I was approaching my partner from my blueprint, high sexual, which meant I was touching his genitals or I was saying, let's have sex. Like I was being very direct Yes. and he is not turned on by that. So he wasn't fulfilled. And so he would say things like, well, I'm not really in the mood or I don't really want to have sex or, you know, I just don't have that much of a sex drive like you do. Mm-hmm. And the tr- that wasn't the truth. The truth was I wasn't feeding him in the language that he speaks erotically. So as soon as we discovered what his blueprint was, I knew now, and I saw arousal out of him like I'd never seen before. I saw him desiring sex. And it wasn't that he was a person who had low libido or he was a person. There was an aspect of him, an aspect, a part of him that was saying that. But the truth was I wasn't feeding him and he wasn't fed, nor did he know what fed him. And that's the problem more is that I see is people don't know what actually turns them on and what satisfies them. So why would you be interested? It's like, it's like pizza that doesn't taste taste good. Why would you want to eat that every night? Oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to eat pizza that doesn't taste good. But if you have the most delicious five course meal and you're right. like, Oh God, I want that every night. That's the difference. It's, it's that you're not satisfied and no one's ever fed your blueprint, nor did you know what to ask for. Mm, yes. Okay. You've talked about two of the types you're saying like sexual, which is very direct mm-hmm. and, and kinky. Mm-hmm. Can you explain some of the other types just to give people an idea? Sure. So the first type I like to describe is the energetic. And I have a feeling that a lot of people in your audience would be energetics. And energetics are turned on by anticipation, space, tease, longing, and yearning. They love, love, love yearning. Mm. So if you've ever been like, oh my gosh, I'm about to kiss this person. We're about to kiss. We're about to kiss. And all that turn on and that like, ah, this is happening. Like that feeling that anticipation of what's about to happen. But then as things progress physically, your turn on actually starts to go down. So the, oh, the superpower. That's funny. I had a friend who said one time she loves that stage. Uh, she was dating at the time. And mm-hmm. she, she loves that stage where you're just making out. And you can never go back to that, right? So she would uh-huh. hold it there. She would hold it because it was, you know, she didn't want to pass that stage. That she'd probably be energetic. Yes. Yeah. So it could be, it could be where you don't even want to be touched. Like you don't even want to really kiss. Sometimes it's like all that anticipation before the kiss actually starts. Uh-huh. The, the superpower is that the turn on can happen without even being touched. So it can mm-hmm. happen in your mind. It can happen in energy fields. It can happen in the cosmos. Like these are the people who are like, I'm having multidimensional orgasms. I don't need to get. It's like, I, I'm connected with the oneness of the universe yeah, in, in yeah. my sexual expression. Like these are the things you'll hear come out of an energetic's mouth. So, so they can orgasm without being touched. They can orgasm by just thinking about a memory of, of something. They can orgasm before they even get to the penetration space. 
when I talk about superpowers again, because I know that women can feel pressured, like, oh my gosh, I, I have to have, be having this, or now I got to achieve some new thing. And, and I just want to say any of the superpowers, I'm just explaining what's possible. And it's, it's about giving you new possibility. It's not about you having to be something or do something. And it's no pressure only if you want to, it's like, oh yeah, that multidimensional orgasm. That sounds fun. Let's yeah. go. Let's, let's <laughs> right. <that. laughs> the tantric. Right. Yep. The one of men. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. The shadow side of the energetic is because they're so sensitive. They, they literally have hypersensitive perception and awareness is that they can short circuit. So too much, too quick, too fast, short circuits their nervous system. So sometimes men who premature ejaculate, it can be because they're energetic and it's just like, ah, their body can't, they can't take it. And they'll ejaculate to stop the pleasure. Uh-huh. And then in a female body that can just show up as like, where did all my turn on go? Oh my gosh. Like I just totally short circuited. Sometimes it can also be like a quick, fast, like a genital sneeze orgasm that happens mm-hmm. where it's just like, Ah, like, like if I, if I take a vibrator and put it on my clitoris, I'll, I'll short circuit. Like it's just too much. It's too much sensation. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't take that much sensation. The, also the shadow side can be this hierarchical judgment, like a judgment of all the other blueprint types of, well, you know, I'm in my upper chakras or I'm, you know, I'm more enlightened than you are kind of a view of the other. <laughs> yes. Blueprint. I totally heard that in my office, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I would imagine some of that shadow side too for an energetic is they sometimes, what I see and have seen is that they get rigid about it. Mm-hmm. They, like it has to be this way or else it's not good. It's not negative. It's not spiritual yeah. sex. Right. Yeah. Like I can't just fuck basically, you know, like no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I had both so high, strong sexual, which I talked about with this, which is sexual is like the, almost the opposite where it's just like, give me the penetration, you know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. zero to 60 superpower of like a high arousal, high libido, one sex all the time is all sex is good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, new penetration, uh, orgasm, that is all part of the sexual blueprint. Then the shadow side is, well, what's wrong with you? You know, I, I never had any sexual problems because they don't understand the other languages. It's like mm-hmm. I have, I don't even see other languages. So it's, it, you'll hear things like, well, none of my other girlfriends were like that or none of my other partners were like that. Something must be wrong with you or your sex is great. Why don't you want it all the time? <laughs> they just can't understand <laughs> because for a sexual sex is like food, air, or water. It's like, I must have it in order. To okay. live and feel like everything's right in the world. So do more, I mean, in, in we're talking about like, you know, traditional Western society are more, do more men fall into that category? So this is really interesting. And another myth that I really want to bust uh-huh. because we've had a hundred thousand people now fill out the quiz. Wow. And it, this could just be our audience. So I'll say that, but from what we're seeing and what a lot of men are telling us is they are not sexual blueprint. And this was the projection I had under my partner, right? Oh, well, you're a guy. Like what guy doesn't want me strip teasing? And what guy doesn't want me, you know, offering him oral sex every night? Uh Like what is wrong with you? And that was from my sexual blueprinting, right? Because we have a sexual culture yes, and we project onto men that they, because the the sexual blueprint is also simple. Like, okay, simple. I touch his genitals. He's turned on. I would walk in the room and be like, chop, chop, come on, get it up. Uh Um, (laughs) Oh my God, I'm ready. I'm speaking to him in sexual blueprinting and he, I mean, he was so annoyed 
by me doing this. Like I would touch his genitals in the car when we were driving. Cause I thought, Oh, that, you know, that, that's what turns the guys on. Yeah. And, and, and I'm also speaking my own language cause that's what would turn me on. It was really the opposite. It was having the opposite effect to him. And what we found from the quiz is that it's not true wow. that the majority of cock bodied, you know, penis bodied people yeah. are sexuals. There are actually a lot of female, you know, vulva bodied people who are, Sexuals, we do. We have a bunch of genders on our, uh, our on our test, and it's just really interesting because we've really busted some myths, and and I'm fascinated. Yeah, by the idea, absolutely that, fascinating, and such incredible data too. Like that's incredible data. Yeah, that most men are not this, and like it's not like a gender falls in a stereotype. Like all women are, and I think this is the the mistake that a lot of therapists and. And again, I'm not poo-pooing therapists or anything like that, but I think what a lot of people have been trained because of our culture, you know, experts have been trained is all women like make the hot bath, get the candles, romance, nice dinner, you know, massage. And I would puke on Ian if he tried, because I didn't have my sensual developed going back to, you know, the, and there, and I, just to say the five, there's energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky, and the shapeshifter. So energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky, kinky and the shapeshifter. Okay. So I didn't have any sensual developed. Mm. So if someone did sensual with me, like that is not a turn on. I'm turned off. I kind of get nauseous. Like I, yeah, I don't like that. You, like rolling your eyes. Like, can we get on with it? You know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, let's get to it. Why do we need to do all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas my partner's kinky sensual. So he's got the kinky, which is all the turn on of the taboo. Mm-hmm. And he's got this deep sensual and he was approaching me from the sensual. I wasn't registering that at all in my turn on. And even that I was like turned off because I didn't want the space collapse, right? I'm, I'm sexual energetic. And so he's up against me with his full body and that isn't a turn on because there's no, there's no like energy between, there's no anticipation of the bodies touching. There's no energy between us. And so I was just totally turned off. He was totally turned off and we didn't fit into the gender stereotype of this is what women love and this is what men love. Yeah. So then what is the shapeshifter? So the shapeshifter is someone who speaks all the languages. They're fluent in the energetic, the sensual, the sexual, and the kinky. Mm. And the, sh- the shapeshifter can literally shapeshift to be any of them. So I call them the, the ultimate lovers because they have all the blueprints developed. And, and so they can shift. And because they can shift, the challenges on the shadow side of the shapeshifter is that they can feel the most starved out of all of the blueprints because, oh, oh, my partner's sexual, I'll shapeshift to be sexual for them. Or, oh, my partner's Mm -hmm. sensual, I'll shapeshift to be sensual for them. And they're leaving out all of the other blueprint mapping. Specific to the shapeshifter, the superpower is this ability to speak all the languages, but they have the highest erotic sophistication of all of the blueprints. They'll say, I'm too complex. No, you're not too complex. You're just erotically sophisticated. You're erotically intelligent. And you're the hedonist. Now, I know hedonism kind of got a bad rap, but the, the definition of the hedonist is someone who reminds us of the pleasure of life. Mm, wow. You know, there's someone who reminds us of all of the pleasures that everything, the food we're eating, the sensuality, the energy, the, the sexuality, the taboo, all of it is pleasurable. And so they're bringing the smorgasbord of everything that's available 
to, they are full spectrum sexuality. Now on the, sh- the shadow side, I mentioned not being fed, but another thing that they can do is believe that they're too much. Mm. I'm too much. I'm too complicated. I'm too complex. They've been told somewhere, God, you know, God, woman, why do you want so much? <laughs> why, okay. You know, why are you so complicated? Why do you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's not true. This is who you are in your eroticism. And even though it's three hours into a session, you could have more and that's okay. You, you can have more, you get to have that. Mm -hmm. So then how, how do they feel fed? Oh, all of it. They want they all, of it. Want so, all of it. They want all of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so one thing that we teach that's advanced in our work, it's called blue print stacking. And it's where we actually take all the blueprints and start stacking them. Every single person has a, a blueprint stack. Okay. It's just that shapeshifters have a stack that has every blueprint in them. And sometimes they like them all at the same time. Oh, okay. I'm trying to imagine that in my head. I've seen shapeshifters on a massage table before where we've like got them tied to the massage table. We've got like a vibrator in between their legs. We've got something going on. In their okay. They've got furry cloth. They're eating something and they've got six hands on their body. All right. Got it. I got the image now. I'm like, I don't even know. What aromatherapy is going to. You know. aromatherapy, right. Hot bath ready for them for when the they're off the thing. table. All the flowers. Okay. Great. Every single sense. Basically. Yes. All right. So then through your course, you're saying is how people develop those areas of their blueprint. Let's say like first they figure out, okay, what am I starting with? What are my percentages? And then they begin to learn how do I develop those other areas? Yeah. Yeah. So next step, once you find out what your blueprint is, and you can determine that a number of different ways. So one is going to take the quiz, which will give you kind of your mental view. Mm-hmm. But there's there's also games you can play on the body because I believe the body doesn't really lie. It tells us like, you know, you're, you can see the turn on happening in the body. Now there can be non-concordance where your mind and your body are at odds with each other. That usually happens. I see it'll happen a lot with the kinky blueprint where that won't show up in the test as much. But then when we get into the body, we start seeing a lot of kinky expression coming out in the body. So oh, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Oh my God. That turns me out. I didn't even know. Cause yeah. a lot of people haven't explored in that blueprint. Uh-huh. Um, so there's, and then there's, so there's the body testing. And in the course, we teach you all the games and body tests and all that, because that will give you a, a clearer diagnostic of, okay, well, here's what my test said. Here's what my body said. Now let's, let's look at that. We teach you how to do that. But once you know your blueprint, then it's about learning how to feed the blueprint. And feeding the blueprint is all about, you know, what's the touch that I love? What, what kind of activities would I love? What kind of sensations do I love? What really turns me on? And then actually doing that. And we teach games on all of that as well. Cause I believe all this happens in the body. So me talking at you mm-hmm. isn't as effective as you getting in your body, doing the practices, doing the work. And that's where the transformation gets created. Yeah. And then we go into speaking the blueprint. So speaking is about body language and vocal tone. So each blueprint is honored in a different way. So the words that you use, you're not going to send a text to a sexual that's like, we're soulmates and I feel this ultimate cosmic connection with you. Uh-huh. The, the sexual, that's not going to register. You know? <laughs> yeah. We're like, how are your genitals doing? You So it's about that language that you use and, and how do you get fed there as well. And then we have healing the shadow side. So I spoke to some of the shadows of some of the blueprints. All of them have different ones. Like, for example, the sensuals gets really caught in their head. So how do I get in my body if, like, I'm thinking about the bills or the, you know, the phone call I forgot to make during sex? So it's really about 
healing those shadows, healing those parts. And then the things I mentioned earlier in the show, like things like scar tissue and things that affect your libido and things that um, are there emotionally, like the emotional scar tissue, the energetics, all of that would be in the healing module. Mm. And And then the final piece to do is to really look at how you can expand into new territory. So let's say here's, here's my partner and I, again, I wanted to expand into kinky. It's his primary blueprint. I don't know much about it. Even though as a sexologist, most of my stuff was in the sexual blueprint or the sensual blueprint that I was teaching. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really explored kinky blueprint before. And luckily I got hired to write a book about it. So (laughs) I'm like, here I go. Um, And so I got to learn about it and expand into, and what eventually happened as I fully expanded into it was his turn on became my turn on. Mm. So I could play in the kinky realm and it started to become my turn on. I started to develop fully the kinky. And then the sensual was the last one that I just developed. I spent most of 2018 really working in the sensual blueprint and healing deep, deep stuff. Cause to me, the sensual blueprint was so vulnerable mm, that mm. I, I was doing a lot of healing work there to, in order to expand into it. And I'm not quite a shapeshifter. I can give in shapeshifter, but receiving in shapeshifters still like, woo, too much for my, my system, you know, like, ah, it's overwhelming. And so, but my partner is fully, Ian, he's fully expanded now into the shapeshifter. So he can, he can fully call himself a shapeshifter. He's like a true Dionysian, uh, God now. <laughs> like I want to come to his banquet with dance and wine yeah. <laughs> and all of this board that he has to offer. So, so expanding into the blueprint is the final step. Okay. How do couples typically work on this? Because I'm picturing like couples with uh, kids around and yeah. if they don't have a lot of support for childcare, like how do they even begin to work on this? Yeah. uh, Easy, winnable steps. Okay. My partner and I, when we had our son, it was a big, big life change as I'm sure any of you know. Uh, but especially for me working in sexuality, I was like, holy schmoly. Now I know, now I understand all the challenges. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and what we started implementing was just like five minutes a day. Just Mm. if we connect five minutes or John Gottman has six second kisses. We expanded that because I'm an overachiever in the seven second kisses. (laughs) (laughs) If we're going to kiss, it's got to be seven seconds. Uh Um, And and finding out what your partner's blueprint is and just seeing if there's something you could do for five minutes that could feed them or five minutes of learning, make it winnable. Because I think too many people try to bite off some big giant chunk or some big giant course And then they just feel like, oh, we failed again, as opposed to, you know what, we're just going to do five minutes a day, five minutes, a little bit. Or, you know, Jaya said to play this AB game on our bodies, you know, to find out which, how, which blueprint we are. Let's just go take the quiz. Start with small steps and count your wins. Like high five. We did it. We took the quiz. We know what our blueprints are. Now we can start that conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So very small chunks of time, very small steps Mm -hmm. saying like, okay, we just need to connect. That That is actually something I hear a lot in my practice is we don't even connect. She's out of the house and then I'm taking the kids and she comes back home from work and all this and, you know, we're done, right? Like we don't even connect. They're, they're sometimes even asleep. So. And here's something that I'll add to this is a lot of couples make their kids the priority. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of taboo to say, but what is successful Uh (laughs) And what I've seen in my 20 years of practice is that your your relationship has to be priority over your kids. Yeah. Yeah. It has to. 
because the kids, they will eat up all of it, you know, and we love them. And in our culture today, it can be very easy to let that become a priority. And especially if you're already feeling like, what's the point of sex and low libido, it's just like, oh, why would I make that a priority? Mm-hmm. Because your relationship and, and having your relationship solid, that the result is making that a priority. And that shifted, that's one of the things that majorly shifted with Ian and I was I made a commitment that I'm going to make our relationship a priority. I didn't even tell him. Mm -hmm. I was going to have both feet in the door. I wasn't going to have any doubts in my head because I know we also get those like, oh, am I right with the right partner and blah, blah, you know, all those doubts, especially when we're not having passion. Yes. And I just said, I'm making a commitment 100% all in, no more. Like I'm 100% all into this relationship and I am making it a priority over everything else. And that radically, I was 10 months later when I told him and he, and we were just, we were on a pier in Jamaica with a lightning storm, like out and with this like little restaurant where they were homemade, making us like amazing food. And we were all on this pier on a bed uh-huh. at the restaurant, had a bed okay. and, uh, <laughs> all right. and, uh, and I told him and he said, I like, I couldn't believe our relationship and how it's changed this year. And he goes, I knew you were up to something. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's also that commitment you're saying like move out of that that doubting stage mm-hmm. I often recommend the same thing like just give this time like commit to being here commit to commit to committing to the relationship right like commit to that yes. even and and that doesn't take time that's just a mental shift it is it's a mental shift you- absolutely mm-hmm. I agree like if you prioritize your relationship then Typically, you're going to, you have a higher chance of staying together, mm-hmm. which ultimately is better for your kids, let's say. Yeah. Not that always staying yeah. together is better for your kids. I don't believe I've been divorced, and, and certainly divorce was better for my kids at the time. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about that, giving it the chance to say, hey, yes, this is really important to us. I'm going to get, give it everything I can before I, I say, no, this isn't the best thing for my kids. <laughs> you yes. Know? yes. That becomes. And, and of course, if you're in like an abusive relationship, if you're in a toxic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Which I was. That, that, that isn't good for your yeah. kids. <laughs> it wasn't. It was not good for my kids. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. But if you're in a good relationship, it's good for your kids to see their parents love on each other absolutely. and love each other and have that connection with each other. Yes, absolutely. So how do you address, how do you address willingness? I guess that that's one of my questions. When you have one person who really wants to work on it, you're saying you created a shift mm-hmm. by yourself, right? And that happens yes. too. Like, one of you changes, the other one is forced to change, really. Like, they yes. change by default, <laughs> right? It's not even forced. It's like, they will just change. It's impossible mm-hmm. for them not to. But how do you address a willingness when you're saying, okay, one partner really is saying, let's do these, let's practice, let's have fun, let's try this, just five minutes, and the other partner's like, no, like, forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one quote I really love is, the rising tide lifts all boats. And I truly mm-hmm. believe this, the, the work that you do on yourself, the awakening that happens in you is, is it only takes one person to change a relationship. I truly, truly believe that. And I've seen that over my 20 years of practice mm-hmm. that said, if you have a partner who is unwilling, one thing you could do is learn their blueprint, So you could speak their language, their unwillingness may just be, 
who knows what it is. I remember Ian being really resistant. I wanted to do a 90 day oral sex challenge. And he was like, no way. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and again, I would, this was back when we were struggling. So I was like, what man is turning down 90 days of oral sex? Uh-huh. What is wrong? With <laughs> <laughs> right. Seriously. And, uh, and he was so worried about failing and disappointing me. Mm-hmm. And, and so we had to get to what is the resistance? What is the part of you? Cause it's just a part of them that's scared. It's a part of them that's resistant. It's a part of them. It's not all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's also a part of them that really wants to make change and really wants to dive into this. And so first you got to speak their language when you're approaching. So if it's a sexual partner you're approaching, which is usually the most resistant is what I find because they don't believe anything's wrong. Like what sex is natural. Like we're all having orgasms. What's the big deal? You know, like, <laughs> right. What's wrong with you? It's your, it's you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know because I was there uh, <laughs> as a sexual. So, so usually it's speaking their language, you know, like, God, I would, I would feel turned on every day and want to have sex with you every day if we just X, Y, Z. Okay. You know, start start by speaking their language, Mm -hmm. start by speaking their blueprint. And then, you know, if you're still meeting with resistance, it's, can we talk about what's underneath that and what part of you is resistant and what's, you know, is that part scared? Is that part, if they're willing to have that vulnerable conversation, because this is a vulnerable conversation. And what you'll find oftentimes under there is I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid it won't work. I'm afraid you'll find out that I'm not really a great lover. I'm afraid that I'm not a good lover. I'm afraid I'm not enough for you. I'm afraid, you know, like, A lot of that, all of that is what's underneath there. And if you can come with compassion Mm -hmm. that, okay, my partner's just scared. My partner's just really, really scared. They love me and they're, they're scared. And if you can come with that or, or, you know, maybe they're not scared, they're sad Mm -hmm. and they don't want to feel that sadness that's deep down in there. They don't want to look, you know, we do, we'll do anything not to look at these emotions that we don't like, you know, we'll eat, we'll run, we'll watch movies, we'll like anything to not, not feel. And, and so just recognizing like, gosh, it's hard for my partner to feel the feelings that are coming up or mm-hmm. still don't want to look at it and having that compassion in your heart for that. And, for and then yourself, if you're just flat out, right? go ahead. Yeah. And for yourself. Yeah, and for yourself. Because sometimes you're the, you're the one who's scared, right? Or you're yep. the one who's like, oh, geez, like I'm hearing this and I want to try this, but there's a part of yep. me that's scared or me that's sad or me that's, you know, so compassion with yourself as well. Around yes. That. And if your partner's just flat out not willing, like they're just like, nope, I don't want to talk about it. Nope, I don't want to do it. Nope, da, da, da. then you've got a decision to make. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, I would say, first off, try the I'm all in, give yourself a time. Like I'm going to do six months or I'm going to do a year where I'm going to just be all in. I'm going to make all these changes mm-hmm. and work on myself and see if the, the rising tide lifts the boat. And if not, you know, then you have a choice to make here, which is to go, okay, well, well, what do I want here? There's multiple options of what I could do. One, I could stay and just know that I'm making the choice to stay in this. So I can't complain about it anymore. You know, like I'm making the choice to stay with a part with a partner who's unwilling and that things may never change with them. And that's my choice. And I'm going to be great with that choice. Yeah. Another, another is just to go, okay, this isn't going to work. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to need to be in a different relationship because this is not healthy for me to be in this relationship with someone who's unwilling Mm -hmm. and I'm going here and they're just unwilling to go where I need to go for who I am in my essence. Mm -hmm. And and then there's the option too of talking about open relationship. You know, I need to get my sexual needs met and 
I can't get it met here in this relationship. Would you be willing, you know, to, for me to take on a lover who would fulfill my sexual needs since that's, and that can be a very triggering conversation. So I would get yeah, a I coach yeah, you know, right. to have that conversation, but there are options because maybe there are a lot of people who choose to stay together and raise kids, but they don't have a sexual relationship. So they have ways that they get their sexual needs met outside of the relationship. But I say, don't do that without talking like don't cheat you know like the cheating lying praying doesn't work honestly but do it honest yeah right do it honestly okay well we're coming to the end of our time here and I think those are some wonderful advice and tips and ways to get started so thank you so much Mm -hmm. you're very welcome and my pleasure tell people again how they can find you go to eroticbreakthrough.com forward slash dr liz dr liz Mm -hmm. for the quiz and then the website is jaya.love, J-A-I-Y-A dot L-O-V-E dot love. And you can also find me on Facebook. So I'm on Facebook. I'm not on there too crazy often, but uh, I do make some posts now and then on Facebook. So you can look me up there. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you again. You're so welcome. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.